Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mavpuck cast. I am no longer on the COVID list. <laughs> and I'm John. So yeah, we did not have a podcast last week. We're going to blame it on the fact that Jason uh, was still kind of recuperating from COVID, but we really just both sort of... It's interesting coming off of COVID. Like, I mean, technically I was off of COVID, but and I didn't have a bad case of it, but still like you just feel weird. Like just, it's just weird. So it was, it was difficult to get up for a podcast. And then you throw in the, the huge schedule change where we all expecting to play North Dakota. And instead we're on the road headed to Denver. So. Yeah. You know, the, when the girls did the podcast uh, two weeks ago, they did their predictions for North Dakota and unfortunately, uh, that series didn't happen. So those predictions were negated. But uh, just so everybody knows, Jason was fully vaccinated and boosted. Yep. And he still got COVID. So this, uh, this Omicron variant that's been going around the various NCHC teams, including UNO, uh, has been rearing its ugly head with a lot of people. So uh, you were one of the last people on the planet I expected to get COVID. And then you send the text and I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> I, I blame the kids because I really outside of that, like kids activities is like the only thing that we do. So, well, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Duluth series, the most recent series, the first home series of the new year at Baxter Arena. We came in off of a, you know, two game series out of Denver that was not great. We got swept. Uh, by DU, which is not an uncommon occurrence, but I really didn't think the guys played particularly great hockey out at DU. So I was kind of concerned coming into this series against uh, Duluth. Uh, yeah, you know, we've always kind of struggled with uh, with Denver and you get to the point where like, I no longer think it's because Denver is so much of a better team as much as it's like, I think they're just in our heads, you know, and Corona played well, you got to hand it to them. Like, yep. I, I really felt for quite a while and in those games, there were stretches where UNO really put some pressure on and goaltending came through for Denver. And it's just, you know, it's an entirely different game. Kind of like what we saw on, uh, with uh, Duluth on, on Friday night, you know, where we had a, a goal overturned uh, for an illegal change. And, you know, that's one of those situations where that game's entirely different if, you know, if we get a goal there or you, with DU, there was a couple of times where like, hey, if we just cut the lead in half or uh, get one more back before the end of the period type of thing, you know, those are the types of things that you can build upon and go into the locker room with. And, and we just couldn't seem to find that momentum and, and get that, get those legs started for us. Yeah, we couldn't. And you talk about that, uh, that almost goal by Brock Bremer. I mean, he, he, he was out of the, he was out of the player bench onto the ice and he was bolting down there and he got a great look at the net. And so they spent an awful lot of time looking at that and determined it was too many men on the ice that he, he was out a little bit early and it was too bad because that might've changed the momentum. Cause if you look at UNO in the Friday night game, they just seemed really flat. I was a little bit worried that, uh, that UNO was just going to kind of get into a long-term slump. I was hopeful that we would come out Saturday, but it was parents night. And as we all know, UNO, perennially seems to struggle when there's a parents night we didn't have one last year because of covid so we don't uh, we don't have a basis to compare there but you know what did you think after that friday night game jason i thought it was you know the first 
I'd say the first half to maybe the first period of Saturday was going to tell us like the guys could easily come back and say, Hey, we're, you know, we're struggling here. Try everything kind of thing. Well, you know, or they could have come out and, and said, no, we're better than, than what we've played the last few games and we're going to go out and prove it. And, you know, I, I was happy to see them kind of say, we can prove that we're better than this. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's nice to see them kind of put in that effort. And, you know, we know this is a better team than what we saw in, in Denver. And we, you know, I, I think we all probably believe that it's a better team than we saw play uh, in the first couple periods of, of Friday night's game. So, you know, it was, it, I don't know what was said. I don't know, you know, what the, the locker room was like and then team meetings and stuff like that about what they needed to do. But uh, it was nice to kind of see them come together and, and do that. And, you know, a lot of it we've talked about at the beginning of the season was uh, this, this group has one of the better goaltenders in the NCHC uh, with Isaiah Seville. The defense is not the best, but not the worst. It's kind of, you know, I, I'd say I'd probably put it pretty middle of the rung um, inside the conference. Uh, the one big question for me at the beginning of the season was where's goal scoring coming from? Like we know that the top line, Primo Ward, Weiss, uh, we know they can produce, right? Uh, I don't have any quarrels about that. But if that's our only line that can put any kind of pressure, uh, sustain any time of, of, of puck possession, teams are just going to know to key up on that and they're going to see their best players at night in night out and they're going to struggle because they're up against the best talent uh, without anything to, to relieve, you know, that. And it shows on the road too, when you start having those kind of one dimensional teams uh, because you're not always getting the matchups you want. Whereas at home, like you can, you can do a lot more to make sure that your top lines out there against, you know, maybe their second or third deep pairing. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we really need those guys like uh, Bremer and Sullivan. Uh, we need them to kind of step up and, and not just be role players, but but really be offensive threats uh, for this team if, if we're really going to compete against Duluth, North Dakota, St. Cloud, Denver. Yeah, absolutely. And you look back in the first half of the season, two of the big NCHC wins we got were against St. Cloud and Western Michigan on the road. And if you look at those two games that we were successful in, it came in games where we had to play a really tough defensive game. It was not a game that was a four to three type shootout against our opponents. And that's that's the thing I think that they always have to keep in mind. I, I know that the players probably prefer to get into a gunfight uh, with another NCHC team, but they've got to be disciplined and prepared for those games where they're not having puck luck and things aren't going in. You know, you look at the Friday night game uh, in the second period, we spent a lot of that period on the power play and we just didn't have a lot of success. There were moments where I felt like they were spending just an awful lot of time passing the puck around, hoping to get that perfect tic-tac-toe set up for a goal. And the reality of the situation is sometimes you just got to put the puck on the net and uh, hope that you get a good rebound. And that's what they did on Saturday night. So I was really impressed that they rebounded, certainly with a parents' night, which is always emotional when the parents come in. I know that they have a, they have a brunch on, on Saturday with the, uh, the players and parents. And uh, I, I, when I was on the Blue Line Club Board of Directors, I got to go to one of those. So they're, uh, they're a nice deal, but uh, it's a lot for players to have to deal with. 
And we had the alumni night for the 25th anniversary during the game, which we'll talk about in the shootout segment. But uh, but it was a good rebound. But it is like a tale of two teams. We lost five to one on Friday. We win five to one Saturday. Uh, hopefully this will spur them a little bit more coming uh, going into the next few series because uh, because like you and I've talked about, this team has an awful lot of potential. They've got good solid depth. They just have to have to find a way to play that disciplined type of hockey and they've, they've got to see if they can find a little bit more chemistry because you talked about that after the Friday game that sometimes they look like they don't have a lot of chemistry right and I saw that coaches mixed up the lines a little bit he moved Weiss off of the line with Warden Primo you know and some of that is to try to find you know some of that chemistry uh Weiss being a senior you know maybe a little bit of uh uh, veteran leadership on a, a line with Mueller now. So uh, finding a way maybe to, to make Mueller a threat, you know, with Weiss's playmaking ability and, and his ability to kind of control the puck and, and his, his skills with stick handling and stuff, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that maybe someone like Mueller needs. And that would be great for us to be able to say like, here's your, here's your two lines. You can't just key up on one of them because we're just going to come right back at you with, you know, a high value, uh, setup artist with a goal scorer like um you know if they find some chemistry and that can be something that that works that uh that could be pretty big for us too so uh, it's just something that you know i don't know if it's we'll see long term if it, it sticks together i don't know where it's going to go but you know it's nice to see coach kind of trying a few different things and, and seeing what we can what we can get out of that I completely agree. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same things the same way and expecting different results. Right. It was nice to see that shake up. You, know, you mentioned the you mentioned the team too. Like I want to point out because like, I think it's one of the more impressive stats from uh, particularly with how many power plays that we gave up on Saturday, uh, despite being in the lead. But you know, up until midway through the third period, I think is when when Duluth gets their goal. Uh, we were perfect. Um, on both special teams, we killed off every power play, which I think was five or six at the point, including a five minute, um, or at least the first part of the five minute until yep. they score. Uh, and then, you know, what, four or five, two minute power plays that, that we were able to kill off. And we were perfect on ours. We were two for two at that point in time. Uh, and we didn't fail to convert on a, on a power play until our last one towards the end of the game. So uh, I think that's, you know, another key for them is if they can get to a point where, you know, we have a, a dangerous power play that people can't, you know, you have to play a little bit more um, space game because you can't risk a, a too many men penalty or a tripping penalty or a hooking call or something. So it's in your head that you just can't give this team uh, power plays, especially in like you mentioned, those tight games that we you know, we'll find ourselves playing, particularly with NCHC, uh, you know, so those special teams being able to kill off penalties when they get opportunities and, and uh, convert on our own is going to be huge. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, yeah, great special teams play by the team on uh, Saturday night. Uh, and they minimize the number of penalties, too, which I which I thought was nice. They didn't take those uh, ticky tacky, stupid penalties uh, that a lot of times you see hockey teams that are that are in a bit of a slump and uh, a little bit emotional taking. So good, good on them. So our players of the weekend, Jason, 
Now, I will tell you, I'm going to pick first. I'm just jumping right in there. I was going to wear my Leap for a Cure Brandon Scanlon jersey. Ultimately, those white jerseys are kind of see-through, and I have a shirt with screen printing, and it just didn't, it wasn't the right aesthetic for this high-quality video podcast, Jason. So I am picking defenseman Brandon Scanlon, who was good both nights this weekend. He had one goal and three assists. He has two goals and 20 assists on the season. He's uh, one of the uh, one of the top defensemen on our team and certainly one of the top defensemen uh, in the conference and in the country. Um, you know, he uh, he was really responsible for our lone goal on Friday night. I thought he actually got the goal through a crowd, but uh, but uh, I believe they said Brandon McManus tipped uh, tipped his shot from the uh, FNBO logo uh, into the net. So yeah, I'm going with Scanny, junior defenseman. You know I've picked him before. I like to pick him. So I stole one of the obvious picks from Jason. Jason's like normally. Jason's like next time, next week. I'm jumping in early. <laughs> That's all right. You could have picked whoever you want because I am going to do a we're going to do a bit of a hot take here. I think I'm going to go okay. off the off the books here, um, and particularly because we mentioned that I say I'm I'm picking Joey Abate, okay, and I'm doing it because I don't know if it was I don't know if it was the team or if it was just the role that he plays and the energy that he brings on the ice. Uh, but we look like a different team from Friday to Saturday and he was not in the lineup on Friday for whatever reason. I have theories. We can conspiracy theory out sometime and wear tinfoil hats as to why he wasn't in the lineup on Friday. Uh, but he was in the lineup on Saturday and I thought it was a noticeable difference, even though he's not on the score sheet. Um, you know, he played the kind of game that I think is just perfect for UNO with, his style of play. And that is he was aggressive. He was in their heads. You can tell that, that Duluth played a little bit different on the ice when he was out there. Um, he was under their skin, but not to the point where he was taking penalties. And, you know, he took a few in Denver and that's kind of been sometimes when he gets a little too emotional uh, and too free reign out there, you know, he starts ending up in the box a lot. And that's something that, you know, just with this team, we've got to minimize and, and you can't take bad penalties. And so to see him play his game, um, he reminds me a little bit like, you remember uh, Luke Nogard? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I like yep. I, I'm, they're very similar players, like a lot of talent, like you got to worry about him because he can score goals. Uh, he's not just a, you know, just like an old school physical guy. Uh, but man, when he's, when he's in the lineup, we, he's out on the ice. It's, it just seems like a different team. Um, but this is the kind of game that he needs to look back to and say, that's what I can do. I can go out there and I can be a force, uh, but I don't have to take penalties to do it. Uh, yeah. and if he can do that, I see a lot of good things happening for you when I'm moving forward. No, that's a great comparison. They're both kind of these rough around the edges players, uh, Abate and and uh, Luke Nogard during his time here. So no, that's a great that's a great pick. I I like that I like that uh, avant garde pick because uh, it's it's a lot of times it's easy to pick the uh, the offensive producers in a particular weekend. So I like that. Yeah, 
And it was you were the trolls think in the comments, right? They can just berate me down there about whatever. So yeah, nope. I like that pick a lot. That was a great one. And uh it was good to see the Mavs get get a split. And we'll uh, we'll talk about what uh, we think they're gonna do coming up at uh, CC a little bit later. But first we've got our shootout segments. And in addition to uh the Mavs series against Minnesota Duluth this weekend, it was alumni nights. For the 25th anniversary, a lot of old bulls came back. Uh, a lot of players that I haven't seen in years um, showed up for the weekend, and they uh, they introduced those players throughout Saturday night's game. They also had former staff members, et cetera, on hand. Um, what did you think? What did you think of? I mean, because of COVID, there's there's you know you're kind of limited as to what you can do as far as like blue line club members interacting with the former players, and things of that nature. But uh, but what did you think of of all of the festivities that they had surrounding uh, alumni night? And you might you might have been out in the concourse drinking a beer with some of your buddies Most during likely. festivities. <laughs> I just, I thought I'd get your take. Doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> uh, you know, is I think it's an interesting perspective because obviously like I haven't been here for 25 years. Right. So, you know, there was, when they first started it, those, those first, cause they did it in like segments. Right. And like the first couple of segments, I'm like, I recognize some of those names, but only because you know, that happened to be a year that, you know, they played DU or Boston or BC, you know, one of the schools that I followed that I could, um, you know, see games of back then. So it was, I don't know, it was interesting just to kind of see these guys that, that a lot of the hardcore fans like you and, and some of the others that have been around for those 25 years or, you know, reminiscing about the games of old and stuff. And then, to kind of transition to some of the quasi newer uh, alumni that I'm like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy, that guy. And I'm like, oh, I remember this game where, I love that stuff. Like I remember this game where you scored that goal. And, I can't remember when you and Jolene started uh, going. Uh, we, we came out in the 04, 05 season. It was probably okay. like five, six, six, seven was when we really started um, coming to games. Cause when we moved out here, I really just didn't even know. Like I knew the Lancers. So we started with a lot of stuff because that's, I mean, there are feeder systems, staffing coming through to you, stuff like that. Like you, I knew of these guys that had, had come from Omaha and realized we had a college team until we moved out here. So, yeah. And, and that's a, that's an interesting point because they had a really nice tribute to, to coach Kemp, who is now uh, in athletic administration at UNO, but they didn't have a, a tribute to Dean Blaze. And obviously Dean wasn't uh, on hand this weekend, but a lot of fans like you kind of came in the, the, the mid aughts. They kind of came, you know, between 2000 and 2010, somewhere in there. So those eight years of Dean Blaze were kind of their years. So I kind of wish that they had done a little bit of a tribute because a lot of the fans in the building, especially the younger fans, that's the UNO hockey that they know those, those latter years down at the century link center, uh, in, you know, in the WCHA in the early years of the NCHC, there's a lot of younger fans that the Dean blaze era is UNO hockey for them. So I, I wish that they'd been able to do more uh, with that. They had a couple players from that era, like, uh, like Grant Gallo was, uh, was on hand, which I was pleasantly surprised to see him, but, uh, 
but yeah, it was an interesting thing. So if they ever do this again, I hope they, I hope they include more of the, you know, eight, nine years leading up to uh, coach Gabinette getting hired. We're, uh, we're pretty special with the uh, two NCAA tournament appearances and the uh, frozen four appearance. So, yeah. And that was pretty, I mean, I, I think you would be short-sighted regardless of how you may feel about Dean Blaise as a coach or as a person or whatever, like to look at the program where it is now and say that he did not have a significant role in, in putting this program where it is, um, I think would be extremely short-sighted. Like, you know, Kemp, obviously architect, right? Like his hands are all over everything there. Right. But bringing in Dean Blaze and getting a, the program to the frozen four and getting some prominence. I mean, that's reaping rewards even to this day with recruiting efforts and people realizing like, I don't know that we're in the NCHC without Dean Blaze. Like, even if they decided you know, way back when to create the NCHC league. I just don't see them coming to us and saying, yeah, Omaha should be in here. We'd probably be sitting in the CCHA, WCHA, you know, maybe even worse, be unaffiliated without that. And that's, it's a sad thing to think that we would be in a position like that where we are I, now. I, I completely agree with that. So, uh, so, so yeah. So, but it was great to see the alumni uh, on hand this weekend, and uh, uh, maybe they'll do something again for the 30th. I hope we don't have to wait to the 50th anniversary, because I'll be like 75 at that point. So, so our next shootout segment, and this one, I, I don't know that we'll have much of a discussion about it, but one of the things that I love before the third period at games is the Unleash the Fury video that they play, which is very similar to a to a video that the Washington Capitals played during their games. I don't know if they still do. I don't follow the NHL that much to know, but one of the cool things with the Unleash the Fury video, for those who have seen it, is the last few seasons, they had what, what's referred to as a trefoil, but it's a, it's a big banner that the student section in the middle section would pull up over the students and they kind of, they kind of, you kind of, it kind of does a little sort of like a little jostling wave with the students kind of bouncing it up and down. And it's really cool when the team skates out onto the ice for the third period and the fans are cheering and clapping. It's just, a, it's a wonderful thing. But this season, it's been very inconsistent that the banner, the trefoil has been there for games. And it's always a big letdown now that we got used to that not having the banner there after the Unleash the Fury video and everybody's getting pumped up for the third period. We've talked on the podcast about building the entertainment value of this team and, and this game and, you know, its role in the, the community and things like that. And I think that that's what that speaks to is, you know, that's, it's just something that you can kind of count on, amps the energy before the third period, um, I, I agree. Like, I think it, I think it should be brought back. I don't think it should ever be not done. Like they need to find a way that, you know, somehow you do that every home game because you need things like that. Like, and, and it's weird how these things happen. Like, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine that works with the abs and out of just a whim, they decided that they were going to play, um, a blink 182 song during one of the, one of the breaks in the, the third period. And the idea was just like, we'll just 
this song isn't gonna play a lot. We'll just play it at one of the breaks. Um, and then when it stopped, like a bunch of us know the words and just started singing it. And a lot of the arena ended up like ended up just finishing the song. And he's like, they just grabbed onto it and they run with it now for the whole season. Where like it's a thing, and everyone looks forward to it. Everyone talks about it on the on the fan sites and in the blogs and things like that about you know singing the Bleak One Eight Two song. And it's a simple thing, but it's amazing how much it like it does to just create that atmosphere. Um, and like I think that's our thing, and, and let's let's embrace it, and you know find a way that even if the students aren't there or something, you know. Drop it from the, the second floor balcony there or something like just do something to showcase that would be kind of cool. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and like you mentioned with the avalanche, I love those kind of sort of organic, spontaneous traditions that happen that uh, that you weren't necessarily planning on having happen. But uh, but uh, they make the game better and they make right. it fun develop a really unique atmosphere so hopefully we see the banner which is called the trefoil i think i'm pronouncing it right trefoil trefoil i don't know how it's pronounced but hopefully those who are involved and in charge of the student section uh, these days will help get that done so we've got a series coming up at colorado college you guys are going to be uh, out in the Denver area this coming weekend. Are you going to go to see UNO take on Colorado College down in Colorado Springs? I I am told that because it's a new arena, tickets are a little hard to find. So pull some strings and, and we'll see what we can do. I hope we can because I really, really want to see the new arena. Um, they just opened it it'd just be a cool thing to kind of go. I just love to see what they, you know, what they do and how they do it and stuff like that. Well, I hope you get to but go. Um, if I you don't, that's okay. But if you do get to go, Jason, take some pictures. We'll talk about it on next week's podcast. So fingers crossed uh, that you're able to uh, get that done because that arena looks fantastic. Uh, Colorado college is uh, coming off of a, home and home series part of the gold pan with du last weekend and uh, they got blanked they got shut out in both the games so this looks like it might be a good opportunity for uno to get some wins get some uh, much needed points in conference play what are you thinking about this series jason uh right now these are must win games you know, we've talked about whether or not this team can and would make a, an NCAA tournament uh, at this point in time. Like the only way they do that is if they get some signature wins against the top teams in the conference and you can't let up against, you know, like we split against Miami. You can't split against Miami. Like you can't, you've got to, they're the worst team in the conference. You have to sweep them and yep. you're going to our college. I don't care that you're on the road. You have to find a way to win both of these games. Um, and anything short of that is probably right now with what's left. I hate to say it, but probably a nail in a coffin. If we split against Colorado College, I don't know that there is a way that we can find enough points in the pairwise uh, to make the NCAA playoffs. So I'm going to say that we sweep because we have to, in my book at least. I'm going to say that we sweep as well because I want to. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully they'll get it done you know we don't have to deal with the olympic ice sheet anymore now that they're in their own on-campus arena so 
So I'm hopeful that that'll happen. Uh, and the nice thing about not picking a split is we don't have to pick which night we think they'll win, Jason. So, so there you go. Jason and I are both picking the sweep for UNO. They need to get it done. They need to get the points to stay in the NCHC race because right now we're very much on the outside looking in as far as a top four spot goes. And as a fan who's been getting a credit for those home playoff games for years now, I want to see home playoff games this year. We didn't get to last season because of the COVID protocols, but I want to see us finish in the top four, and we've uh, got to get six points out there this weekend. So be sure to follow us. Bridget will be live tweeting the games on the uh, MavPuck Twitter accounts. Be sure to visit MavPuck.com if you want to watch back episodes of this podcast or listen to back episodes of this podcast. And until next time, hopefully Jason will get to go to those games and give us an update next week. We'll just say go Mavs. Go Mavs.